Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. On today's debut episode of the Buckets and Brightside podcast on the Field of 68 Network, I, Harrison Vatnick, join alongside Jonathan Lidskin to preview the season for Missouri men's basketball in the 2023-2024 season. We'd run through the roster, talk about projecting starting five, the X-Factors on this team, which transfers are going to have a huge impact early in the year for the Tigers. We then go into the non-conference schedule, a much more difficult one than last year, to see how Dennis Gates' team will fare out. Also talking about final season predictions, what's the ceiling, what's the floor for this team, but first, the Killers. My dream, and I'll share with you because you guys are listening, my dream is to become a national champion. One day, like I said, we will cut down nets, hold up trophies. We will raise banners. Episode one of Buckets and Brightside. We're here to talk about the 2023-2024 Missouri Tigers basketball. It's our debut episode. Harrison Vatmick joined alongside Jonathan Lidskin, as you heard in the intro. Feels like there's a lot of like buzz around this team. Maybe more than in years past around Mizzou basketball. Because last year was kind of unexpected with this run as a number seven seed in the NCAA tournament, and they finish in the top four in the SEC regular season. I'm not saying Missouri's a basketball school because at the end of the day, they're an SEC and they have a good SEC football program. But I can't remember the last time there was so much buzz around the basketball team around here. What do you think? Yeah, so last year, obviously, you had the Conzo Martin era that ended really poorly, just a bad team in his final year. He made the tournament twice as the coach here. Uh, And then... Dennis Gates comes in a lot of negative things um, for what I saw on Twitter were said about him, the whole Cleveland state, like it, like, and granted it's tough to go from horizon league to sec, but this is also a guy who was an assistant at Florida state, one of the top recruiters for a long time and clearly had the experience to be able to come in here and do the job. I think I was one of the only ones that like was projecting this team to make the NCAA tournament relatively comfortably going into last season and obviously didn't go exactly the way I planned. They were without Isaiah Mosley, who I thought they were was going to be their best player, but you're right. This is the most buzz around this team in the preseason in a little while. 
I think they made some additions that I thought were really smart, fit Dennis's system well. And I think it's very possible they get back to the NCAA tournament again this year. They lose Kobe Brown, Demoy Hodge, and DeAndre Golson. I think Kobe is the the big piece in that. Obviously, was a one of the best defensive players in not just the SEC, but the whole country. Had a very strong tournament performance against Utah State in the win. Had a lot of really good games throughout the season. Hodge, I feel like a little more hit or miss. Great defender. I think led the SEC in steals. Broke the Mizzou season record for steals in a season. And a pretty good shooter. Goldston. I think we remember the the buzzer beaters against Central Florida and Tennessee, but um, I think more of a replaceable player. The difference you, you brought up the transfers in the Horizon League last year because it feels like the, a lot of the guys that that Dennis brought in were guys from Cleveland State. Golston was at UW Milwaukee. UW Milwaukee. Um, Sean East was from um, John E. Logan Community yeah. College. Um, I know they got Kurt Lewis from this year. It feels a lot of the portal guys they got this year were from like big major schools. Um, Tamar Bates from Indiana, a great example. John Tanjay was in the NCAA return with Colorado State just a couple of years ago. Connor Vanover was with Oral Roberts, who was a very good team last year. And then at Arkansas, um, Caleb Grill from Iowa State, another big piece there. Feels like the portal acquisitions this year are more impactful than the ones last year. I think are going to contribute to the rotation more. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think last year Dennis was sort of looking to bring guys in that fit the system. Like you brought in Gamillion and Todd, two guys that he coached at Cleveland State that like knew what he wanted to do and knew how to execute it and could have could be older leaders on this team. I, I do think they're gonna miss the guys they lost a lot. Like Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown were both excellent two-way players. Uh Demoy was lethal in transition, both finishing at the rim and stepping out and hitting the three. But yeah, I think you're right. Like they did definitely go out and get some more high profile guys. Like last year in the portal, your most high profile guy was Isaiah Mosley, who granted like nine games. Yeah. It was and granted the year before was one of the best scorers in the country at Missouri state, but a guy, nobody really had pegged as like one of the top guys in the portal this year. Like they go out and get guys who have played at high major schools who have played in NCAA tournaments um, before and are, are more notable names and, and names that people know. Yeah, and I the big question right now, I think, going in the season is the starting five. And I think this is a kind of a good problem because I was looking through the box scores and watching through the games between the Alabama semifinal in the SEC, the first round game against Utah State, and the second round game against Princeton. The rotation, I know you cut the rotation once you get to March, the rotation I felt like was too too slim. They had a seven man rotation essentially once they hit that point. I know they lose Kobe, which is you know first round pick by the Los Angeles Clippers, one of the best players in recent memory in program history. But I think that the additions around the rest of the roster might, I mean, not to to use a Moneyball reference, but they can kind of recreate Kobe Brown through other guys in the system, not just specifically through one player. And I think you like that comp. They can, they don't have to have a seven man rotation once we hit March 1st. They can maybe go this. I think this team can go 10, 11 guys deep, just running through the roster. Um, How compared to maybe some other teams in the SEC, because I know, you know, the the league pretty well, where does Missouri rank in terms of depth? So it's probably pretty close to the top. Arkansas is going to be really deep. Um, Like naturally they're going to be when they reach out to every single guy that enters the transfer. But yeah, I'd say those two are probably the two deepest teams in the league. 
last year at the towards the end of the year specifically, Missouri was dealing with some injuries. They uh obviously were missing Mosley, who really didn't play at all down the stretch. So I think this year they're probably better fit to go nine, ten deep if they want to. And it really depends on like how many of these guys are ready to play. Like we they brought they bring in three freshmen. We have no idea if these guys are able to play at the SEC level yet. Um, we don't know how Dennis is going to really want to work this roster. They brought brought in Kurt Lewis from Ajuco. How is he going to yeah. tra- transfer up? Last year, like they were going seven deep in the SEC tournament when I when against Alabama when I was there, and like honestly, like the seventh guy was like Muhammad Tiara, who like you really didn't want to play all that much uh, in a game like that. So I do think that like they're more fit this year to address injuries if they do come up, which in basketball naturally happens. Like you're not going to go a whole season with everyone remaining healthy, but at the same time, like they can go deep. Like how much worse are, is the bench is, is my question. Yeah. I don't think it's a huge talent drop off. And you mentioned the seventh guy was Modiara last year. I think that that seventh guy this year could be, you know, a starting caliber player. I don't think Modiara um, started too many games last year, had that kind of impact. Mm-hmm. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I I like the the idea that maybe once we get to March, they can go deep because it I mean it's a long tournament, it's a long conference tournament, it's a really long season because it all picks up really fast when you hit that last couple of months. A team like UConn last year, who won the national championship, they had a ton of depth on their team. They went, I'm pretty sure, eight, nine, ten guys deep. Um, and just had guys they could throw at. They played Miami in the semifinal and San Diego State in the national championship. They could easily sub guys. And I'm not saying Missouri is going to be in the final four of the national championship um, as much as as Dennis and the team um, wants to talk about April 6th and April 8th. But if this team wants to have a long season or continue to push into March and in that deep run, I think they're going to have to get impact from their bench. And I, that could be the freshman because, and also Kurt Lewis, as you mentioned, because Kurt Lewis is from the same community college that Sean East was at. And, you know, as people want to talk about how East wasn't really good last year, I think they're kind of wrong. I think he was one of the better defensive players on the team. And I know his offense can be up and down, but they got quality minutes from Sean East a lot of the time that he was playing. I don't think he's going to play as much this year, but even a guy like Kurt Lewis, if they can get some kind of impact from him, 12 minutes per game, 15 minutes per game, like I feel like that could just help the roster so much. And then again, with a freshman, like, like, we don't know. Like, is Jordan Butler, who's a seven-foot freshman, he's got a super long wingspan, like, is he going to have an impact? And also, the guy that everyone keeps hyping up, Caleb Brown. Dennis said mm-hmm. weeks ago at Media Day, most improved player on the roster, super excited for him. Like, is that – you think that's bluff, or do you think Caleb actually is going to have an impact? And then what are your thoughts on the other freshmen? Uh, Dennis Gates actually talked about uh, two – I forget who wrote the preview for the Almanac, but it was one of the – one of the field of 68 guys uh he told them that Caleb Brown was going to be in this team's top eight so the the most improved players on the team yeah if, if Caleb's in the top eight that's definitely him in terms of the freshmen 
Butler and Robinson, I'm not quite sure, are going to be ready to play this year. Uh, they brought in Vanover, so like I thought Butler was going to be more needed uh, in the offseason, but then they take Vanover late. Yeah. Trent Pierce, I've actually heard, could play quite a bit. Uh, I'm not sure how truthful what I've heard is, but I would imagine if a freshman does play a lot for this team, Trent Pierce is that guy just because – He's the most college-ready, I feel. He's pretty athletic, um, pretty versatile defender, long player. So, overall, I think the freshman will probably not make a huge impact. But, like, then again, like, I I think Pierce could have a pretty big role on the team. I think if one of them gets hot, one of them plays well. Danny Stevenson is another one that we didn't mention. Um, He's a freshman from South Michigan. He's a a walk-on. He's a walk-on. Okay, we don't think he's gonna play much. He's not gonna. No. Be, uh, I mean, maybe Mayak was a a walk-on last year and had some impact. Actually, I think he was on scholarship because, like, maybe they flipped like, him late. I just because, because like Sternberg was still or not. Yeah, Sternberg. Just because, like, I think they didn't have like a thirteenth scholarship player, so like they just filled it with with Mayak. What but, about um Jesus Carrillo? Do we have any thoughts on him? Guy was was injured at Campbell, Campbell last year for a lot of the season um, really fits the system. Well can shoot. Uh, I'm not sure. Like it wasn't a super exciting take when they did, they did get him. Uh, I'm really interested to see how much he plays and where he fits on this team because, you know, he can stretch the floor. He's six, eight. So like these, these are the kind of guys that Dennis likes. What's our guess for the starting fives? Because I think it's anyone's really take right now i would say for mine i've thought about this a lot honor at the point that's an obvious one given caleb grill at the two mm-hmm. noah carter vanover at center and then i always get caught up with that small forward that or that extra wing spot i i think it's gonna be tanjay yeah i agree with you well, east, east is gonna be the sixth man and then caleb and um aiden i mean aiden shaw we haven't even talked about yet is another one that we don't know yeah, if I had to guess, I think those five are probably the starters, but I don't think that Vanover is going to end up playing starters minutes. No, I, I completely agree with that. The, he like F- Florida State did this thing when Dennis when Dennis Gates was there, where they would have like I, I think his name was Christ Kumaji, and there might have been like another guy, was, and they did it with Kamangeli too. Yeah, they were they would they would start like this huge seven three kid that would win the tip off for them, play like the first like four minutes until the under TV timeout. Cause like inevitably that's when that guy would run out of gas and like, yeah. wasn't like in the, be- like best, wasn't the best conditioned player. So I think like they could use that with Vanover. Like he could come out, hit a three, maybe in the first four minutes, win the jump for you, just like maybe block a shot. But then like you probably go smaller, which is how they went last year. And that's when you see like more of Tamar Bates and, Maybe Aiden Shaw, like you mentioned, maybe Trent Pierce. Cause I think they're still gonna be like they're gonna try to be really fast. They're gonna shoot a lot of threes. And obviously Vanover can do that. It's just that he's probably not the guy you want on the floor if you're trying to play that way constantly. Yeah. And I mean Dennis really likes Vanover. How we described him was like every I mean, he talked about how he was almost a 40% three-point shooter last year. Every shot he takes is is uncontested. Like you can't get handled. He's seven foot five. He's the tallest person I've ever seen in my life. He's built like a tree. Like it's like in, he was standing next to 
Mabor Majak, he's a head taller than Mabor. It is incredible um, how big he is. And again, he's going to be able to block shots. He's going to get open looks. What about Caleb Grill? This is a player probably I'm most excited for about among the newcomers. Um, lights out shooter. We saw him in Iowa State. He was at UNLV before that. Good defender, too. It seems like the team really likes him, too. Um, he's an older guy. I think this is his fifth or sixth year in college. Um, it's going to bring a good veteran impact to this team. And, you know, Dennis talked about it before. And I think Kayla mentioned it when he first committed here. He's going to fill in that Demoy Hodge role. Yeah. Caleb Grill is a guy who I think is going to be probably my favorite player on this team. I loved him at Iowa State. I thought it was a really bad system for him. He's a really good 3 and D wing that does both at a really high level. He could be one of the best shooters in the country in this system. And he'll be able to do things last year defensively that this team didn't really have on, on the wings. Like, obviously, Demoy forced steals, but, like, Caleb is much better at just, like, played up, playing straight-up man-to-man defense and staying in front of, front of his guy. I think this is going to be a really perfect system for him. And I think it's probably really good for his game that he got away from Iowa State, as great as that program is. Yeah, I feel like he was something he had to do. And I talked about that a little bit with him. Um, we haven't talked about Aiden Shaw yet. We was even in consideration for our starting five. He was a high recruit. He was a true freshman last year. He only enters his second year. Didn't play a ton last year. By a ton, like, I don't think he played at all once we hit, like, March. What should the expectation be for him? Because I think the fans, especially, always have really high hopes for these high recruits. And sometimes when they don't play as much, they have questions about why is, you know, Aiden Shaw not playing? Why is he not having a big impact in this rotation? I don't think either of us thinks he is going to start but how can his game translate in Missouri's offense? Because I think fans are hoping that he could maybe take a step up and fill in that Kobe Brown role, but just not big enough to do it. And what are your thoughts we can do with him? Yeah. So Aiden Shaw was a guy that I mentioned over the summer. Like there's a chance he could be this team's best player, but I also think there's about seven guys that could be this team's best player yeah, when it's all said and done. Aiden Shaw is a guy that's really athletic. He's, like you can see that when when they throw lobs to him he he can block shots as a result of being really athletic and he's a very good defender the problem with him is like his like basketball instincts and like pure basketball skill isn't quite at the wasn't quite at the level last year to play consistent minutes in the sec i think there's a much better chance that he's at that at that stage right now than he was a year ago but i also think there's a chance that like he plays 15 minutes off the bench. Like he, it's, we always talk about how the freshman to sophomore leap is the biggest one that guys yeah. take in college. But like for him, like he could need another year of development to get to go from sophomore to junior to really get to that stage where he can be a super reliable starter on an SEC team. What about the schedule? I think we should kind of dive into that non-con last year. It was one of the easiest schedules among any team in Power Five. It was Dennis's first year. It was a very young roster, and I mean, they won games. Ideally, they didn't. They avoided any kind of slip up, and I don't think it was many of those games were even close because they were playing teams in Ken Palm who were ranked in the three hundreds, essentially all of them. Sometimes in the the low twos. It's a much different story this year. Arkansas Pine Bluff to start the year, who's you know not great, but then they play Memphis, who's one of the best teams in the American Conference, won to the NCAA tournament last year. Um, they play at Minnesota um, as a power five team. I know that they're not super great, but it's better than playing, I don't know, Our Lady of the Lake 
And then they have some tough ones. Pitt, who was a team in the tournament last year. Wichita State game went to overtime last year. Kansas, who won the national championship two years ago. Seton Hall, coached by, you know, Shaheen Holloway, was an NIT team last year. Illinois, always tougher bragging rights. What should the expectation be for this team during the non-con slate? So, overall, I really liked how many, like, higher-end games they have this year. Like, last year it was Kansas, Illinois, and, like, I guess you can count Wichita State, even though, like... that was it. It wasn't quad. It wasn't quad one, even on the road. So, I think overall it's encouraging that this team has like like obviously you have the SEC ACC challenge now, so that's built in. Who did they and play? Then, in the last, oh, the last year wasn't a thing. It was still no. Was this is the first year of it. And then Seton Hall in Kansas City is also a game I'm excited about. And then Memphis too. Uh, Penny Hardaway won't be coaching that game, but is he still suspended a, for that? Correct. Yeah, still going to be a very tough team. Tough, tough game to win. What I don't like is, like, all the bye games they have are still, like, the same caliber of teams they played last year, which are, like, teams, like, ranked in anywhere from, like, 250 to, like, 350 in Ken Palm. I would love to, to see some teams on there that are ranked, like, in the one, 150s, anywhere from, like, 100 to 150. Yeah. Because overall, like, that helps your helps your ratings if you can beat those teams. Like last year, what happened was like they played a couple close games against teams they really shouldn't have um, been in the been in the game with. And when I say really close, I mean like they should have won by twenty five thirty, and they won by ten fifteen. Yeah, and that that's, Timo was a big one. Yeah, that's really what hurts your met- metric. Southern Indiana was the same way on opening night. So like this year, like Arkansas Pine Bluff is. 339 to start the year in Ken Palm. They're going to be a bottom 300 team. And I said that it was a much tougher opening night game this year than it was last year. Yeah. South Carolina State, 345. Loyola, Maryland, 303. So, like, you're going to have to go out and beat those teams by 20 plus. Otherwise, it's going to end up hurting your ratings just like it did last year. What is our record prediction for the first 13 games in non con? I'm sitting around 10 and 2, which I think would be very good. I think losses to probably Pittsburgh and Kansas. You said for the first 13 games? Yeah, that's their non-cons. Or maybe it's um, yeah, No, it's 12. First 12. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll go 11 and 2 as well. They probably dropped the two road ones uh, at Pitt, at Kansas. I think, like, Bragg Rights is a game they always, for some reason, get up for. Like, yeah. I think they've beaten them three of the last four times, maybe, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, last year that game was a close. That was I was at a watch party in, in Tampa, and that was um, – I think Colby had 30-plus in that game. That was, really, well, that was one of their best, I think, start-to-finish performances um, of all of last yeah. season. That was a 30-point game at one point. Now, granted, I think Illinois is going to be a lot better than they were last year. Didn't really look like a cohesive unit at all. They had a player leave the program midseason, and I think they're just a much better roster overall now. But, yeah, I think Pitt and – um, Kansas will be the two losses. Seton Hall will be a team that's tough defensively, but overall, like Mizzou should have enough firepower to win at a to win at a site that'll be it'll be semi home. It won't it won't be a true neutral game. Um, at least on Ken Palm. And then like like the Barnes a, t- a tough place to go play when they're good, but this Minnesota team's not going to be very good. Your mic got unplugged, I think, or 
something happened with your audio. I can't hear you. Try that one more time. What is our ceiling and our floor for this team for the NCAA tournament? And maybe not just the SEC because things will change once there'll be injuries, whatever. What is the ceiling and floor for this team where they can finish seeding? So I've said all offseason pretty much that the floor for this team is a lot higher than it was last year. And then, but the ceiling probably isn't much higher. So I'll say ceiling, I could see them getting like a six or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, Floor, I think last year, like people don't realize like how bad like this team could have been if like things went wrong, like with the versus, like with just if the way just played, ball. like they won so many close games. So like they had what, three buzzer beaters during the, the Central year? Florida, Tennessee, and um, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, technically, I guess, wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was... There was like three seconds left. So, yeah, I think... that I think the floor is like probably like a top four seed in the NIT, which is like... You're, which you're hosting, I think, a game. Yeah, I would say my floor is like last four out or next four out, somewhere in that group where it's like... They still can have hopes on selection Sunday, but maybe not great. I think ceiling maybe a, a five or six seed in the NCAA tournament if things go right again. If the trans, if the depth is really good and the transfers play well, and Gates continues to get better, and maybe the SEC isn't as dominant as we think it might be, because I think there's a lot of other teams in the SEC we can go through this on a different day that might not live up to their expectations. I think there's a lot yeah. of a team like Arkansas last year. They were a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, eight seed. They were expected to finish like first. Like they were one of the best teams in the country on paper. There's a lot of teams up there near the top. I don't know who's ahead of Missouri. Missouri was picked to finish. What was it? it was ninth again? I think it was ninth. I yeah, it was, it was low. So th- I think things will change. But I, I, if this team can surpass expectations, they can be higher than where they were last year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Cool. That is our premiere episode. We'll be back just after the game against Arkansas Pine Bluff to recap Missouri's tip off their season opener, hopefully getting to 1-0. Harrison Vatnick, that's John Halitzkin. We'll see you next time on Buckets and Brightside.